0: the Lord and his presence in this place today. Somebody give God some praise. Yes. Mm -hmm. Sit down if you can. I love the Lord because he heard my cry. The psalmist and the old black pastor said, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, Tell me, where would I be? How many of you thankful that God's got this? God's got you? Mm-mm-mm. Wow. I tell you what, is that young lady growing or what? I'm talking about in her anointing and her, her, her leading and her worship. So, so, so thankful. Wow you guys look amazing. Uh, I'm going to really date myself, but let's go back probably 25 years to Saturday night live and Fernando Lamas says, "You look marvelous." <laughs> look at your neighbor and say, "You look mo-. even through your mask, oh, you look marvelous." <laughs> You know, that's biblical. The Bible says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. He says, it is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. How many of you know God's doing a marvelous thing? What does marvel marvelous mean? It means it makes us marvel. We're, we're in awe. We're in wonder. We're overwhelmed. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for his goodness and his love and his mercy They are new every morning. If you weren't here last week, you need to jump online and see Pastor Haley deliver a phenomenal message on God's invitation to rest. In the middle of all of the struggle and the worry and the frustration that we experience, it personally was ministering to me just to sit and listen and be reminded that Jesus gives us an invita- invitation. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, learn from me, he says, for I am, I am tender, I am gentle, I'm easy. He says, my, my, my burden, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said, if you will learn from me then you will find rest. There is a rest that is given and there is a rest that is found as we seek the Lord and learn how to put our trust in him. Amazing message last Sunday. We wrapped up nine weeks of the book of Acts in a series called Sent, just reminding us of the importance of the local church. <clears throat> Today I'm beginning a two-part series that's called Grace is Greater Than Race. Say that with me. Grace is greater than race. Next Sunday is not a message, it's going to be a panel discussion with a number of distinguished outside leaders, community leaders, pastors, um, world-class level folk that have traveled the the nations of the world, Uh, excited to be able to bring this and present this to you. I'll give a little quick opening of about two minutes, introduce our panel. And then basically, they'll be fielding fielding some questions that we have uh, already prepared on how we in the Delta can speak to the issues that we're we're facing. Um, before I j- jump in, because I was tempted right then to just run down the, the the high dive and just jump and then bounce into it, I want to I want to be very circumspect and uh, follow my outline this morning. There's so much in this that I could easily. Um, have a rabbit run across my trail and chase it and go deep. Because I've taught history on the university level for a number of years, have graduate degrees in history, and I believe it's important that we take an unvarnished look at where we are as a people, where we are as a nation, where we are as the people of God. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, that's not open. Asked, open, uh, what is it? Knocking, the door will be open. There we go. I want to begin this morning in this one message, and I believe this is probably one of the most important messages that I have and will ever speak in my life. Grace is greater than race. This is about a perspective. It's It's about a worldview that is informed by the Word of God. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verses 9 through 12, it says, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every—say all the words that are emboldened with me, if you would—from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb— They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings, and they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshipped God. They sang, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. If you believe that, say amen. Amen amazing passage that is both present and future. It is not just, my hermeneutic for for the book of Revelation is not futuristic. It is a recognition of a fulfilled uh, eschatology and that there are past and present and yet future things that that book speaks to and writes about. And so even as we are worshiping this morning, we were joining our our praise and our worship with the heavenly throng around the throne, dressed in white robes, declaring that salvation belongs to our God. We were singing as the church militant in the earth and joining our praises with the church triumphant in the heavens, gathered around the throne. I don't believe the, the throne is a great big chair in some geographical location in the universe, I believe the throne is God's seat of authority. Now, wherever his spirit is, he is Lord in that place. So his throne is in this room this morning. He moves and he he reigns among his people as we submit to his authority. Somebody say amen. Amen. Kingdom representatives, my one thing, this is the, the, the method that I use and that is a repeating concept so that you get this if you don't get anything else. Kingdom representatives are called ambassadors of reconciliation. Say that first line with me. Kingdom representatives are called ambassadors of reconciliation. Through the gospel, we implore people to be reconciled to God and to each other. Now, that, there's a lot there, and it's very powerful. I want to unpack that during this message this morning, but I want you to find one of these sides that you're comfortable looking at and reading with me, and let's read it like we have truly mean it. Here we go. Kingdom representatives are called ambassadors of reconciliation. Through the gospel, we implore people to be reconciled to God and to each other. Bow your hearts with me, please, for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, great and mighty God, I ask you today, as we stand before you, as we've enjoyed your presence, the Holy Spirit in this place today, I've already prayed ahead of time, and I've asked you, Spirit of God, to go before my words that I speak, and I I pray today that you help me to be in a place of discipline, and to be concise, and to be clear. Father, I think this is so important, what we're going to speak to today. I know that principalities and powers in heavenly places— are looking to see the manifold wisdom of God demonstrated and displayed and revealed. Thank you that we're part of your eternal purpose called the church of the living God, that we are sent to this community, that we can't turn a blind eye to the issues that we face. God, I ask you today that you give me the words to speak that are pleasing to you and let us hear with ears that are ready to receive, hearts to understand, eyes to perceive, so that we can see the kingdom of God and that we can pursue that and seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, your justice, not only for our individual selves and our families, but for our other brothers and sisters. We honor you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you've forgiven our sins, past, present, and future. And that we can stand in a place in what we sang this morning. I am a child of God. I am chosen and I am not forsaken. Yes, I am. So congregation, say that with me. Yes, I am. Father, we thank you for that. We we celebrate in that awareness as we proclaim that Jesus is Lord in this place today. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Kingdom representatives are called ambassadors of reconciliation. Through the gospel, we implore people to be reconciled to God and to each other. The text that I want to use in my first point this morning is found in the book of Acts. We were just in Acts, and I did not spend any time when we were there in Acts 17, when Paul was in Athens and demonstrating his skill at being able to take the culture that that dominated the people's thinking, and then bringing the gospel to them through that lens, um, because I knew that I was going to do this message, and I wanted to save this. Acts chapter seventeen, the Bible says. My point is from one blood. Everybody say one blood. One blood. Acts chapter seventeen, verses twenty six through twenty eight. A. Here we go. From one man. He created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. Everybody say his purpose. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any of us, for in him we live and move and exist. The King James says in him we live and move and have our being. I want to point out where we opened And that it says, from one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. We have descended from two parents. This is not a biblical myth. This has been proven scientifically when Francis Crick discovered DNA and the whole double helix and the chromosomes. And now we can buy a kit from 23andMe or from Ancestry.com and we can... Spit in a tube and send it away and they'll send it back to us where our people and our lineage have come from. Scientists let me let me take a pause here. Scientists have determined that all of the DNA that is present and all of the subsets of people groups in the world originated from one, and they literally referred to her as one mother, and they called her Eve. Isn't that incredible? And they said that, it's, that it centered and originated in Africa. Isn't that interesting? Because that's where we find the location of the four rivers described in the book of Genesis regarding the Garden of Eden. I remember a number of years ago when I was first start, starting to try to hit up against the, the prejudice that is here in the Delta. And I asked the question to a small congregation in a shoebox down at 620 West Broadway. This is before we even got in the mall. And I said, you know, some of you folks are farmers and you claim that this soil here in the, in the Delta, in the South, this gumbo is some of the richest soil to be able to grow crops, to grow cotton and soybeans and corn and all of those things in. Now, if you will agree with me that this black clay mixture, this, all this that we have here that sometimes you fight with is rich and it can produce great fruit, great product, then you, you recognize that, that, that the soil of Africa is some of the, the, the richest soil in terms of being able to produce crops and fruit. And if God made Adam and Eve, or if he made, first of all, Adam from the dust of the earth and the garden was in Africa, it's likely that Adam was probably a black man. Wow. It was as quiet that day, 20-something years ago, it is as it is in this room. First of all, let me just say I don't care. I, it does not matter, but I want you to know that from one man from literally the hebrew in, in the i 'm sorry the Greek in this in the New Testament passage literally says, From one blood, do you realize that the differences that we want to draw attention to only make up? One tenth of one percent of the DNA? Do you realize that all of us, all of the people groups around the world of different culture and skin types and hair texture and different languages and belief systems and practices, do you realize that we are 99.9 percent identical in our DNA? Every one of us. As a matter of fact, I want you to recognize that, that the concept of races, plural, is not a Bible concept. The Bible idea is that there is one human race. Now, some of you are glad to be here this morning. Some of you don't know. You know you're really kind of wrestling with this. But I, I am. I've got both barrels loaded, and I'm not playing. Look, we need to be people of the kingdom of God that have a higher vision That recognize that we are ambassadors called to bring the message and the ministry of reconciliation to people. And you can't be hating on your brother or your sister and be able to minister to them. Somebody say amen. amen. Since there is only one human race, the whole concept of racial reconciliation is a misnomer. Segregation did not work. Integration failed. The only thing that's going to work, the reason those programs and legislated ideas of men have failed is because we are trying to deal with a spiritual problem based on a natural solution. Bias exists in every one of our hearts. We all have a story of somebody who did us wrong, it's a story of some people group that's different, that skin tone is different than ours, and they, they, they believe differently, and they live differently, and they act differently, and, 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 and we, we all want to put ourselves in a position of I am better than that, and that is not going into the kingdom of God. I'm going to wait till I get an Amen. From one blood, he created all the nations. There are two hashtags that are prevalent on social media all over the place these days. Black Lives Matter and Make America Great Again. And I want to tell you that I reach and embrace both of those. I believe in the words Black Lives Matter. And the reason that we say Black Lives Matter is because they have been oppressed and victimized and put in a place of less than... For literally 400 years, yes, slavery finally gave way in the Civil War, but folk who were trying to maintain their positions immediately put Jim Crow laws into place, separating the black folk from the rest of everybody else. You know, just a little bit of history will enlighten us to some of the stuff that we're dealing with. And we've got multiple generations of this that's been built in to, to young male and female black children growing up thinking that they were less than. I believe in the words black lives matter and obviously all lives matter. And let me just say this, as a pastor, I believe blue lives matter. The worst thing we could do would be to defund our police. That's stupid. Now, do we need some training? Do we need to help folk get over some of their... Fear and some of their ignorance, absolutely. Come on, somebody. We, we, while we believe the words and I support, in other words, I'm saying, look, I'm not black, but I feel, I empathize with the struggle you face. Literally, all of those soldiers came home from the Second World War, having fought together in the trenches side by side, celebrating victory over Europe, victory over Japan in a world war that was fought on two theaters and they came back home to an America after having been equal in the trenches and then they literally were mistreated when they came back and could not get the same GI Bill loans for FHA loans and for, for those who had been in the army and served our nation, black people couldn't get those loans. Banks wouldn't give them to them. And if they could afford a house, There was a a code among real estate agents in redlining that wouldn't allow them to buy a house in certain areas. Folks, to to argue against this is stupid. It's irrefutable evidence on every angle. I appreciate you, George, Pastor. I believe in the words Black Lives Matter, but I cannot support the organization Black Lives Matter. It is a militant Marxist communist. They'll Go to their website. I'm not going to take time to, to, to show you. Just, just, just go to their website, blacklivesmatter.org, blacklivesmatter.com. Look it up, and they will tell you that we are trained Marxists, and they are attempting to destroy the nuclear family. They want to overthrow the U.S. government. And that's why you see uh, uh, among the, the peaceful protests, a whole group of the Antifa which is a radical leftist organization that's trying to just pillage and destroy and burn and loot, and, and that's not godly. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Everybody said amen to that. And then to make America great again. You know, well, who doesn't want that? Everybody wants that. But there's some baggage attached to that too. You know, maybe my idea of making America great is different than some folk who follow the current president i pray for him but i also prayed solidly eight years for our first african-american president i was proud i was so glad to say that i have lived in my lifetime to see us elect an african-american in the white house not just one term but two but i want to say this at the end of his eight years the relationships among the races were in worse shape than they'd ever been before now, I may offend some folk this morning, but I'm, I'm, t- I'm an equal opportunity offender. I'm going offend to offend the white people, and I'm going to offend the black people, because I'm going to tell you the truth. Make America great again, that's not by closing everything, locking everything down, and forgetting about the foreigners and the immigrants. I believe we ought to take care of home folk first. That's just common sense. That's what my folk told me. Pay your own bills first before you go try to help somebody else. Need to take care of our veterans, obviously. This is not political. This is just common sense. But we also don't need to completely mistreat those who are trying to get here to get hold of the American dream. Because if we all tell the truth, every one of our parents at some point came from somewhere else to here. There's one human race. And the fact of the matter is, is there are only two men in the earth not seven and a half billion people. It's two men. There are two men in the earth. There are two categories of people in the earth. Those that are in Adam, and the Bible says in Adam all men die, and the other one is in Christ all are made alive. So the issue this morning is not the color of your skin. It is, it is yes, have you been born into this world? Okay, great. Then you're in Adam. Have you been born again? Great. Now you're in Christ and you're alive forevermore. Somebody put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Because I'm informed from a biblical position and a kingdom perspective about this, I cannot let myself get involved in the politics on either side of this. And let me just tell you, we've got folks on the right and folks on the left in this church, and I love that. We've got progressives and conservatives, and the fact of the matter is, is we need a little bit of both of that. Still didn't get a good amen. Amen. Kingdom representatives are called ambassadors of reconciliation. Through the gospel, we implore people to be reconciled to God and to each other. Point number two, are you getting anything out of this? Amen. Point number two, the gospel is both vertical and horizontal. The gospel is both vertical and horizontal. I'm going to come back to that. Let's just grab some scripture real quick. Second Corinthians 5. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others we're called to be a witness. God knows we are sincere and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No. Are we giving you a reason to be proud of us? No, I'm sorry. It says no. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Say that with me. Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, not just the Jew, not just the white man, not just the black man, there's some that would divide that and say, oh, no, no, he didn't come for you guys. He came for a special group. He says... He died, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Verse 16 is so critical. Look at this. So we have stopped, read it out loud in the, in the bold. We've stopped what? Evaluating others from a human point of view. Oh my gosh. Look at this. As a person in Christ now, the the King James says, we know each other no longer after the flesh. He said there was at one time we knew Christ after the flesh. He says at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. I I, I love it. The newer translations, the, the passion translation says that we will no longer judge according to the outward appearance. So it's not based on your skin color or your hair texture or your language or your culture or your practices. But we, we now, as God, because we are in Christ, we, we are not living for ourselves, but we're living for him. And now we have, we have a new identity and we have a new point of view. We have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. When, when the first thing I see when I look at someone else is I see a brown man then I'm, I am completely missing God. First of all, I don't even think that way. I'm so crazy about this guy and his family and having them on our team. And it's not just, it's not just a racial thing. It's also a gender thing. I don't just see a woman sitting there. I see an anointed vessel of the Holy Spirit. I see a mighty conquering warrior of God in the kingdom of God. Uh, His brown skin and her gender are not an issue to me because uh, Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 says this, that in Christ there is neither male nor female, bond nor free, Jew nor Greek, barbarian or Scythian. That covers everything, economic, racial, gender, class distinction. In Christ, none of that matters. Stop evaluating others from a human point of view. I challenge you to erase from your vocabulary that every time you describe someone who looks differently than you do, that you drop the racial distinction. Well, I saw a black man. How about you just saw a man? I mean, why does it have to be? I mean, if you see a white man, you don't say, I saw another white man. You just say, I saw a man. See, it's just built into us. Are y'all getting anything out of this? I have always had a heart, a deep, abiding love for my African brothers and sisters. I was as a teenager, I remember when I got my license to drive, I'd go to Memphis and visit the Kojic churches because I wanted to go where there was some life. <laughs> Once in a while, they'd let that little fat white boy play. And they would go, oh man, he got some soul. <laughs> I've always had a love. I, and I'm going to blow some of your minds when I say this, but I was on a fast when I was. 11 years old, praying and seeking God because I knew I had a call on my life and I saw a vision. I saw myself standing on a platform in front of a sea of black faces and I knew that there was a call on me that would speak to African American people. That I, I felt like I was called to go to Africa and you know what? I'm, I'll be 60 years old in December and I've not not—I've made it to all the other continents. No, not Australia. All the others except Australia and Africa. I have a love. I love I love, I don't just love the culture, but hate the people. I remember when Abby went to Belmont and Nashville, and everybody was just saying, oh, don't you love Nashville? She said, yeah, but it ain't Memphis. They said, what do you mean? Nashville's just growing, and it's just so amazing, and she said, oh, no, the the food is better here. The music is way better here. Now, those of you that are country music fans, just forgive her. We we got soul in our family, so we love the R&B. We love the soul, a little bit of hip-hop. Y'all okay with that? Are you getting anything out of this this morning? He says, look at this, verse 17, here it comes. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them." Oh, my gosh. How many of you were told in Sunday school when you were nine that every bad thing you ever did, when you stand before the judgment seat, God will play a movie and everybody will get to see it? That's that's mythological. That's not scriptural. God's not even holding a record. His sins, your sins, past, present, and future were covered by the blood of Jesus. God's not mad at you in this room. Come on. even You blew it last night. He's not mad at you. He's imploring you, come back to me. That won't satisfy you. It'll kill you. Look at your neighbor and say, I think he's preaching pretty good this morning. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. You know what? If you just read your Bible, a lot of the stuff you think you believe would just all of a sudden fall away because it's just so much religious babble. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. There it is. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. Everybody say so that, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I am constrained by Christ's love. How ridiculous is it for me to claim that I love God when I've never seen him, but I hate my brother who I do see? 1 John 4:20 20 and 21. If I say I love God and I hate my brother, he says, I'm a liar. I have a new identity now and I have a new point of view. I have to stop evaluating people based on a human point of view or an outward appearance or perspective. Kingdom representatives are called ambassadors of reconciliation. Through the gospel, we implore people to be reconciled to God and to each other. My last point is super quick, so I'm going to throw in a little bit of optional, a couple of minutes of some optional stuff that I had here in case I needed it. The Bible does teach has a position on slavery but it is nothing to do with the american form that we experienced the biblical view of slavery was it existed in the cultures around the world first of all let me just tell you folks slavery didn't end with the civil war there are 27 million people enslaved this morning around the world in sex trafficking 7 year olds working 18-hour days in cigarette factories in Thailand. I won't say it like the president of Thailand. Anyway, okay. <laughs> it was supposed to be a joke. Slavery still exists. And it's heinous. It's, it's not biblical. The biblical idea of slavery was indentured servitude. You're at a financial tight, and you sell your services to someone who literally pays off all of your debt and you agree to work for them for seven years. Guys, the planting generation of our nation lived this way. People who were in Europe who couldn't afford to book passage on a ship to get over to the New World would charge the captain and say, I'm going as an indentured slave or an indentured servant was the word. And when they got to the shore of the New World, then the captain would, would pass a legal document that's, to someone who would buy that person for seven years. And let me just say this. In, in, the, in the Old Testament, the idea of indentured servitude or the biblical idea of slavery was based on an individual person's choosing voluntarily to sell their services for X number of years to someone who would pay off all their debt for them. Are you following me? This was like you know, creditor.com. You're trying to get out of debt, except they didn't have, you know, bankruptcy where they could just wipe the slate clean. You had to pay your bills. And so people would make the choice to give their services for a period of years, and someone would would buy that. But at the end of that time, they were free. And they had freedom even in that service, unlike the American system of, of slavery. Matter of fact, the first people that that came to Jamestown, after they began to build the colony and the the tobacco crops started taking off with a little bit of agricultural experimentation, just so happened that the soil and the plant were, were made for each other. They started growing tobacco and they realized they could not produce the level they wanted to with the, uh, the amount of people they had. And so they started calling for indentured servants to come from England. People would book passage and come over and sell their, their services for seven years and then they would be free. And they would work a little longer in hopes of being able to buy some land and own that land and become an independent farmer themselves. And some people 400 years ago began to acquire wealth that now their families are in old money because somebody came over as an indentured servant and worked long enough to pay that back and then buy some land as well. But there came a time where they recognized that this system wasn't enough. 1619 is when the first African slave came to the shores of the United States of America, not yet the U.S. at that point, just the new world, okay? So just last year was 400 years, 1619 to 2019. So guys, we're talking of a, just a blip in history and the struggles. And, 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 and what happened was there was such a level of complete demoralization that they made the determination that these people would be subjugated to a level of maltreatment and would never be free. They, they didn't work seven years and were free. They were never free. Families were split up. They were ripped from the shore of the western coast of africa now let's be honest and tell the truth here there were tribal chiefs who had who had whipped in war in tribal wars other tribes taken them into their captivity and then sold them to white slave traders so there were african kings that were selling people of their own color that's something that doesn't get told when you come to america i want you to hear this i want you to hear this this morning I want to bring this down to a close, and it's all going to wrap up with my third point, that we're obligated to walk in love. Hear this. This this shocked students when I was teaching right out here at Mid-South Community College, and I would have a a classroom, mostly of African-American students, and I would put up a diagram and show them that during the the years when slavery was at its height, less than 10% of the population owned a slave. This is not everybody in America had a slave. This is 10% of the population. And there were just one or two. When you start talking about massive incarceration of people, we're talking about less than 2% of the population owned hundreds of slaves. My sister has worked for years doing genealogical studies all the way earlier than the Revolutionary War. And there's a whole line of preachers, and there's a line of leaders, and, 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 and a couple of colonels in the American Revolutionary War that are in my lineage. Whole, whole mess of preachers. That does not surprise me at all. And you know what she said to me? She said, Mike, I was so thrilled to see that there was never anybody in our lineage that was a slave owner. All well, right. That doesn't make me pride, have pride. It doesn't let me off the hook. Just because I can say that nobody in my lineage has held somebody against their will. First of all, let me just teach you this this morning as I bring this message to a close. Every people group in the world has been enslaved by some other people group at some time. As a matter of fact, the word slave literally comes from Slavic when the Islamic traders literally ripped European white people from Eastern Europe and brought them down into Africa to serve as slaves. Slavic, Yugoslavia, Czechoslovakia, Slav. That's where we get the word slave from. And they were white people. I'm not saying this to excuse anything. I'm just telling you that every group on the planet has enslaved and mistreated some other group at some point. Every group has been mistreated by some group at some point. Maybe except for the Eskimos. They're the only ones that probably are innocent. Y'all okay? Now, I want to say this to you this morning. This is where it comes to a kingdom perspective. Sometimes we walk around, I'll just be honest, I've had some white guilt in the past. Because I hurt when people hurt. I sat in my living room and I cried when I saw what was done to George Floyd. And it's crazy how opposing portions of the media try to paint him as a villain and another one try to paint him as a saint and he was just a person. He was a human being. He was there on ministry. Maybe he had a, maybe he had a, a, a um, counterfeit $20 bill. That doesn't mean he was making them and trying to pawn them off on somebody. I mean, there are people in this community that have had counterfeit $20 bills in the past and didn't know they had it in their pockets. I support our police, I pray for them. We have first responders of every variety in this church. I don't want any time our, our our blue lives, our firemen, our all of those first responders in any way to feel like that we're not being supportive of them. But when you watch that, that guy, his threat had been neutralized long before. A policeman didn't have to hold his knee on his neck until he couldn't breathe another breath and died. That's, that's police brutality, folks. Something's got to change. Everything we see is not that way. Everything we see is not that way. But that one was so clear, it can't be argued. And it was the straw that broke the camel's back in the African-American community. And some of what we're going to talk about next Sunday is how can we deal with the anger... And the hurt that is in the hearts of African-American people. First of all, as a white person, the biggest thing we need to learn to do is just shut our mouths and listen. Actually make a friend. And and, and do what the scripture says. Stop looking at somebody and evaluating them and judging them from any kind of a human point of view. Y'all still love me this morning? Kingdom representatives are called ambassadors. Of reconciliation, through the gospel, we implore people to be reconciled to God and to each other. Romans thirteen eight, one verse and I 'm finished. Romans thirteen eight owe oh, nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of god 's law. Now we don 't want to be like the smart-mouth Pharisees that go to Jesus and go. Well, who is my neighbor? (laughs) Remember what Jesus said in Luke 15? A certain man went down from Jericho and he fell among thieves. And he was beaten, he was mugged, he was robbed. And a Levite walks by and gets on the other side of the road and ignores him. Someone who works in the temple. A priest walks by and ignores him. Make sure he goes the long way around so he doesn't have to deal with this hurt wounded person. And the scripture says a Samaritan, that's a despised group. It'd be like the oppressed, be like saying, you know, nobody helped me but a black folk. Black person did. I, I can tell you that I've experienced this. I did a 42-mile bike ride, not yesterday, but Saturday a, a week ago, because I've been trying to get ready for the, for the big damn bridge 50 in Little Rock only to find out the next day that they'd canceled it. (laughs) And I I rode from Poncho's there at the opening of the Big River Trail all the way out to, to Shelby Farms on the Green Line and back. As I was coming through Memphis, I was on Madison, the only area where it didn't have a bike lane, and I'm going up over the overpass in Madison over Danny Thomas, and I'm trying to cross some trolley lanes, some trolley rails. And the front wheel of my bicycle got caught in... The, the trench and it threw me off the bicycle and I got this pretty good little scrape here and a couple of them on my knee. I came in wrapped up last week and I didn't play because still a little bit shaken from all of it. Just thankful I didn't break anything. And you know when that happened, there were a couple of African-American folks sitting over there that own a club right there on Madison called Brinson's and they jumped up and they went and got paper towels and they brought me two bottles of water and they brought me Band-Aids and they brought me have mercy in the daytime lord jesus they brought me alcohol pads that i had to pat that stuff with and i said don't you have anything else and she said no sir i don't and you you gonna need to pat it because you don't want, want, want what's on that pavement in your body and so i'm patting it and screaming can you imagine how skins totally scraped off and you're patting it with an alcohol pad i tell you what you talk about calling on the holy ghost I sat there with them for 20 minutes and talked to them, and I made new friends. He got me some of his famous Brinson's um, wings. Couldn't think of it. We just had the best time. And come to find out that he's, been, he's a rider. He's been riding for 20 years. He gave me his card. He said, if you'll call me, he said, I don't know if you want to ride with me or not. I'm a black guy. I said, dude, I'd love to ride with you. I'd love to just be able to talk and just hear your story. You know what? I'm go- we're gonna go for a bike ride. We're gonna. I'm-, I'm excited to be able to hang out with him and make a friend. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Our obligation, and I know I'm just a little bit over. I'm finishing. Our obligation is to love each other. There's no place for hate. If you're a new creation, man or woman of God, there is no place for hate in your heart for another person based on their skin color or their language or their hair texture or where they live come on somebody say amen Amen. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to look like where we started this morning and it says I saw a vast crowd too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language notice the word race is not in there race is not a bible concept standing in front of the throne and before the lamb and they were clothed in white robes and palm branches and they're singing and giving God praise I believe the church is supposed to look like the area that we've been sent to to reach. So that's the reason here. It's not just trying to program only to please white folk. Because I want, I want African Americans and I want Hispanics and I want some Asians that are living in the area. I believe that we should touch everybody in this area for the purpose of advancing the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody say amen. kingdom representatives are called ambassadors of reconciliation through the gospel. We implore people to be reconciled to God and to each other. Now, I'm not going to take a moment here and turn this around and try to give a, a gospel altar call. I just do want to remind you that the gospel is both vertical between me and God, but it's also horizontal between me and my brothers and sisters, red and yellow, black and white. It's not just reconciliation this way. But see, this thing makes the cross in my life, and that's where I have to die to my desires. It's on that cross of giving my heart to God and loving my brothers, love God and love people, love my neighbor as myself. That's what the Lord has called us to. I just, I want you, as you bow your hearts with me, please, and we close this service, let's just go before God and search our hearts. Holy Spirit, help us in this place. Every one of us in here, we we have a bias. And and we've experienced things that have colored our thinking. Help us, Lord, as new creation men and women of God, to look to you and, and begin to see things with a new point of view, a fresh perspective. Lord, for those of us who know that we have hatred in our hearts, We willingly, and we choose right now to lay it down. And we ask you, God, help us. Help us, Jesus. Empower us. There are people in this room that have been hurt by those that are different than them. And there's a wound, there's an offense. God, help us to forgive. Lord, it's more than just praying a quick prayer in this moment. But help us to work through that, Father. Give us the strength. Let us, at this moment today, take that first step to work through those issues. Lord, we cry out to you for unity in our community. And we look to you, Jesus. We ask you to, you who love the whole world and you stretched out your hands and died for us. You said that whoever believed in you should not perish but have everlasting life. Father, thank you that that's every nation, tribe, people and language. We look to you today. Send us, O oh God, as ambassadors. Forgive us of our sins. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and all of God's people said. Amen. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise this name. Amen. Pastor, what a powerful word. And I just want to say, if someone